Welcome back to the Cosmic Circle. This is the official podcast for thecosmiccircus.com, where the site's writers get together to chat about comic books, sci-fi, and fantasy films and TV shows. This week, we're going to be talking about 2021 in review and 2022 in preview. I'm Isla Ruby, writer for the Cosmic Circus, and joining me today are my fellow writers, Uday, Emily, and Drew. Happy New Year, a few weeks later. It's been a very long January, but we're here. How is everyone doing today? I'm Emily, um, and I'm happy to be here today, and I'm doing good. How are you guys? Hey, I'm Drew. I'm doing pretty good today. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here, too. I'm Uday. Really happy to be here. Um, I'm also doing well. Before we go on to discuss today's topics, you should be warned, there are spoilers ahead. And as always, I want to take a moment to plug our site's Patreon. If you like what you hear, consider supporting the site. And by joining, you can get access to our Discord, where you can chat with the site's writers whenever you want and join in our fun events like watch parties. All right, so let's start things off with Marvel's The Eternals. The movie just came out on January 12th on D+, after being released in October of last year. Have you watched it or rewatched it yet? Um, and if you saw it, was there anything you really loved about it? Uday? So I actually did rewatch it like the weekend that it came out with my mom and my cousin, both of who hadn't seen it yet. And I saw it twice in theaters. I had wanted to go another time. So, I mean, I still liked the parts that I liked, but it was interesting watching it with like other people for the first time and in a home setting where you can kind of talk about the movie a little bit more because it let it let me explain some things, but then it also let other people voice their opinions. So I would say my opinions on the movie didn't really change. I still think that it's a pretty great movie with some good performances and really good parts, but it definitely has its flaws. Yeah, I rewatched it as well when it came out that weekend because my mom hadn't seen it yet. And I saw it, I think, three times in theaters. And I still really liked it. I thought it was a good story. And I liked all the characters still. And it's just nice to not have it and be able to watch it whenever you can. I watched it and I rewatched it about two more times and I, on my first watch I really liked the movie I thought it was uh, the best looking MCU movie to date I thought the CGI was really well done I thought I liked how Chloe Chloe Zhao used the natural sunlight for a lot of scenes I liked how they were on they were on physical locations for a lot of scenes so I think I, I think the movie the the way the movie looked was definitely better than the story I think everybody can agree that the story was where <clears throat> where the troubles of the movie script really started to come into play. I think some of the some of the script just kind of seemed a little incoherent at times. But overall, I really liked the movie. I think it's a lot higher on my MCU ranking than than a lot of people. You guys are all so dedicated. I only saw it once. Um, I didn't see it in theaters at all, and I just saw it when it came out on on D plus. So it was. It was kind of a different experience seeing it on the small screen. And like Drew, I thought it was really pretty, really well shot. I enjoyed the natural light so much. And I thought it was, as far as cinematography of Marvel movies, it was just very well crafted. I had some issues with the story. I wasn't really sure where it was going in some places and some of the chemistry between the characters wasn't quite there. I really, really enjoyed the, the yes, it's not the teaser, but kind of the scene at the end of the credits where you know we got that tease for Dane Whitman and the Black Knight. I was so excited for that and what the future brings. Is there anything else that you guys are you know really dying to get off your chest about the Eternals? There was a lot of really lively chatter about the movie you know amongst all the writers and over the last few days and when it first came out. Emily? Well I feel like I haven't seen enough about Harry Styles as Eros. 
I was very iffy about him joining Marvel because he has rarely acted. I know he was in Dunkirk, but it was a very small role. But I'm still kind of iffy on him too. And I don't know when he's going to show up again. But I mean, I'm looking forward to it to see him, to have him like do more. So for me, in terms of cinematography, like if you were to rank the MCU in terms of like which movie had the best cinematography, I would definitely say Eternals was number one, I think. It was by far the the best looking Marvel movie. It really didn't even look like a Marvel movie in a lot of aspects. I know, you know, a lot of Marvel movies have that kind of gray color scheme that's kind of in the background of every Marvel movie. I didn't really see that at all in this movie. And I thought there were a lot of really pretty scenes. The colors popped in a lot of different scenes, like when they were compared to like when they were in the, like, you know, the desert or when they were in the jungle. I thought the, the color texture was really nice. I really liked at the end during the emergence. I thought that looked that this looked really great like when they were on the beach and you could see Tiamat in the background like kind of faded in the background I just thought it looked really realistic it looked it it just looked amazing and that was definitely like my favorite part of the movie I would say I have to agree Eternals is beautiful it definitely had some story issues but I was never once unhappy with anything I saw on screen and as to your point Drew about MCU movies being gray a lot I do agree. I never notice that when I'm watching them. But yeah, when people are putting screenshots on Twitter up against like phase one movies, I am shocked at how gray and flat they've gotten. I feel like the Russos are very guilty of that. The Russos have some great, great shots. They have some they have some really nice stuff, but everything does feel a bit desaturated. And in the Multiverse of Madness trailer, I noticed that their fight with the squid monster is so it's so much more colorful than everything else in the MCU. And so that's something that I really appreciated about Eternals. I liked the lighting. I liked the color. I thought that they did a very good job with that. And, and as great as Thor Ragnarok was and, and how colorful Taika Waititi tried to make it look, I think the colors were super desaturated. And I think that took away from the colorfulness of the movie. I, I know that, you know, with the, you know they, they changed the Thor Ragnarok logo to, to make it seemed like the movie was going to be really colorful. And I think it, it was, but it was very desaturated, and especially on like the uh, the bridge fight at the end during Thor Ragnarok. I've seen a couple of screenshots on Twitter where you can just really tell that it's very CGI and very drained out, like the color is very drained. And I'm just hoping that in phase four, they kind of, you know, we get some different styles. I liked how, I really did appreciate how in Eternals they were going in a different direction. I think that was the right step in terms of cinematography and movie making because Marvel, for the most part, they have good stories. Like for the most part, they haven't really struggled besides Eternals. Like their stories are fine. It's just if they made better, for me personally, I think if their cinematography was better, I think a lot of these movies would be a lot higher on my ranking, I would say. I think you really nailed it, Uday, too, with the multiverse of madness, because I think that the more saturation, the brightness, the color is also a Sam Raimi thing. And you can see his style in that trailer, you know, compared to the style in the original Spider-Man movie. So that's, some, you know, a real strength that he's bringing, I think, to the Marvel the Marvel Universe of now. Our site recently uncovered some evidence that Icarus may be returning. In the movie, he blasted off into the sun to close off his arc after the team stopped the celestial Tiamat from being born and destroying the Earth. Where do you guys think we could see Icarus return? Do you have any thoughts on that? Is he is he gone forever? I actually mentioned this in our group chat. I, I said, I, I think that Icarus is dead. I think Icarus flew into the sun. I think he's dead. I think Marvel left it in kind of like a cliffhanger. Maybe he is dead. Maybe he isn't dead. And I think what's going to happen is he is dead. But as we saw in the movie with Arishem, they can basically bring any Eternal back to life with the World Forge. I mean, when we saw Cersei there, you know, when talking to Arishem, 
they have all of their memories basically <clears throat> so really uh Arishan could make icarus again and basically restore a lot of his memories because before earth the eternals have been to you know and who knows how many planets and and what i think is really interesting is that they have that memory logged so what happened with the eternals on previous planets before the memory was wiped i think that's something that we that could be discovered and explored in, in upcoming movies and i think maybe that could change the dynamic of the eternals team a little bit based off of you know did so, what happened in previous previous planets like what what was their story there because so far we've only seen earth and i think if marvel was smart they could incorporate what their story was on previous planets. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that there's a ton to explore there. And I'd really like to find out, you know, what the Eternals were like on those other planets. I think that that's something that the sequel should definitely explore if we get a sequel since we don't have an announcement right now. But yeah, I don't think Icarus is dead either. I'd be fine if he was. I don't really care about him. But yeah, having the World Forge or whatever just gives you a cheat code to get any Eternal back whenever you want. I totally agree with the both of you there that any Eternal could come back at any time because of the World Forge and because Arisham has all of their memories and stuff. But I'm not sure where he could possibly pop up next. So I think, you know, I don't know if anybody caught that Sama Hayek also kind of slipped up and said that she signed like a multi-year, multi-picture deal with Marvel. So I, th I think on top of Icarus not being dead, I, I, to me, I think the Icarus we know is dead. I think he is gone. And I think that another version of Icarus will come back. I think the same thing is going to happen with uh, with Ajax. I think her version is dead. And I think maybe Arishem can kind of reboot Ajax and bring her back and kind of try to recollect the Eternals and maybe sway them in a different direction. I think, you know, it's going to be, for Arishem, it's going to become political. I think he's going to use, potentially use Icarus or Ajax to sway some of the Eternals away from, you know, protecting Earth like they have. Do you think it makes their deaths less meaningful if they can just essentially be respawned anytime in the World Forge? Yeah, I do. We've seen Marvel do that a number of times with Loki. That was kind of the whole thing. I, I really, it didn't bother me that they brought back Loki. I thought the way that they brought back Loki really worked. And I think it didn't take away from his death. His death was still meaningful. It still affects Thor. They've kept Thor and Loki mainly separate. So it, it didn't really take away from their story. So it didn't bother me. You know, looking at Loki before the Loki TV show came out, we're like, well, they're bringing back Loki. Like Loki's not dead. And we felt like that took away from his, his death. But I think seeing that this is kind of like a new Loki. He's going in a completely different direction than he was with Thor. I think that minimalized the taking away from his death. And I think they could definitely kind of incorporate that with Icarus and Ajax. Maybe they show up in different places. I'm not sure. It just depends on if there's a sequel or not. So I do feel like the World Forge could easily become a crutch because Marvel does constantly bring people back. And I do think that it's getting extremely irritating at this point. Even Vision. I don't think Vision coming back in WandaVision took anything away from his death, but he just died again. And I mean, it's great. It's good character development. Everything's good, but it's I'm tired of it. If you want to kill these characters, then kill them. And if you want them around, then don't keep killing them and bringing them back. So I would not be surprised at all if the World Forge, if the Eternals go there in the sequel and they bring their loved ones back, but then they destroy the whole thing because then that would actually give stakes if you can't bring them back anymore. That's such a good point. So the initial release of the Eternals was part of the 2021 you know, movie and television cycle. And I wanted to spend some time just to 
talk about that year as a whole. We're going to kind of break it down by medium. Since we've already chatted about The Eternals, let's talk about other movies that were the most anticipated of 2021. We had Black Widow, Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, Dune, The Suicide Squad, Ghostbusters, Encanto, and many more. Was there anything that you were really pumped for in 2021 and did it live up to your hype? Uday. I was really excited for, you know, obviously like the Marvel movies. I think Shang-Chi definitely lived up to my hype. Black Widow really impressed me because I was getting really worried about it, like the closer that we got to release, but it's one of my favorite Marvel movies. Spider-Man No Way Home was great, but honestly, to me, it's still just, it feels like a movie that doesn't exist. I see clips on Twitter and I felt like this when the trailer came out. I felt like it, it looked like a fake movie. And I, even though I've seen it twice in theaters, I still feel like that. Like whenever I see a clip or anyone like talking about it or like all these screenshots and everything, there's no way that actually happened, right? And I think it's a combination of just finally a bunch of fan service wishes coming true. And then also COVID making everything so unpredictable. But yeah, like I feel like No Way Home isn't really going to cement itself in my brain for like another year. I feel the same way, Uday, about Spider-Man. I'm it's like, it doesn't feel like a real movie still, even though everyone's like sharing their thoughts and like screenshots of the movie and stuff and like clips on TikTok. It's crazy to think that we actually have it. Last year, I was really looking forward to Black Widow and I had, she's been my favorite since Iron Man 2 came out when I was 10. So I'm so happy that... I ended up getting to see it in theaters because that was one of my worries is that I wouldn't. Shang-Chi surprised me because I didn't really know anything about him going in. So I was so happy with that and the new characters that they gave us there. And Kanto also surprised me too. But you know, with anything like musical with Disney, it's going to end up being good. And this was just fantastic to me. So I have four movies that I can talk about that I, that I have thoughts on at least. I'll start with Black Widow. I, I, I definitely did not like Black Widow that much. I, I'm sorry to, to Uday and, and Emily, but I did not like Black Widow that much. I, I thought COVID probably had caused the movie to struggle a little bit. And I thought that the plot itself struggled. Maybe they had some rewrites. And I think Scarlett Johansson was definitely open about that with, you know, her lawsuit. She definitely didn't get the movie that she wanted. You know, that's unfortunate, but I think it was still a good movie. And I think it introduced, you know, Yelena, who's going to be a major character for 10, the next 10 years. I mean, everybody loves Yelena. She's, you know, she has definitely already cemented herself as like, like, you know, the next popular female character along with like Kate Bishop and other characters. So that was definitely a shining moment out of that movie was Yelena. And I think the Red Guardian too, I think he was great. I, I have, I definitely think that Marvel will bring those two back. And I think they were great. The Shang-Chi, I thought Shang-Chi was great also. I, I thought it was a really good looking movie. And, and the, the movie was shot during COVID for the majority of the movie. And I thought it still looked really good. I thought the CGI looked really good. I thought the action was really good. And I thought that the set pieces were really good. It just was really impressive that they were able to make a movie like this during COVID. I really liked how the entire village was real. It wasn't fake. Like if there was no, it wasn't like a CGI background or anything. I thought that looked really good. And even at the end with the CGI, with the dragons and stuff, I thought that looked really good too. So overall, I was really impressed with Shang-Chi and I liked the characters too, which which is really important. I liked Shang-Chi a lot. And I think, I think a lot of people are going to like him for the next, you know, 10 years or so. For Dune, I'll talk about quickly Dune. I really loved Dune. I loved the cinematography. I thought it was one of the be most beautiful movies I've seen in as long as I can remember. I was really, really shocked by it. I just really thought it, it just blew me away the how big the movie was. The story itself didn't blow me away. I thought it was pretty basic, you know, maybe because a lot of stories were spun off of Dune and the Dune books, but it was just kind of the same thing with Eternals where I thought Eternals looked amazing. The story didn't wow me that much. It was kind of the same thing with Dune. Finally, with Spider-Man No Way Home, I agree with Uday and Emily. It's a movie that doesn't really feel real to me. 
it's just, we've been hearing so much about it for the past year. And I think we've all kind of, I mean, me personally, I've had dreams about the movie, about what it's going to look like and stuff. So for us, I think it's hard for us brains to process that it's real because this is just like pure fan service, what we all imagined to happen. It almost looks like a fan edit. It looks like, like somebody made like a fan movie. Or like a fan edit, like a CGI edit. And it, it just, I really did love the movie. I thought the story itself was really good. I thought they had a lot of emotional beats. I thought that the relationship between the three Spider-Men were amazing. I thought they did a, a perfect job at that. And I, I really hope that we can see another movie with them in the future. And overall, I thought the movie was great. I, I think COVID obviously held the movie back in some aspects. Some actors weren't able to be on set. Probably, you know, Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. He, he was all CGI. Same thing with the lizard. They even had to reuse scenes. So I think in some sense, COVID probably held back a little bit of the movie. And that's kind of my, my only complaint. But overall, I thought the movie was great. And I I don't really have too many complaints about it. Those are all such good choices. I'm going to move away from the Marvel movies for a second, and I'm going to talk about Free Guy because I wasn't, I kind of saw an advertisement for it and was a little bit interested, but when I actually saw it, I was totally blown away. And I was blown away with that movie for a couple of reasons. First, Brian Reynolds was just so charming and so charismatic in that he's he is this NPC guy and he just plays it perfectly. Second, I really liked that it was based off of an original idea. What if, you know, what if you were a video game character? And I thought that was really unique, especially since we are in the land of everything is IP, everything is sequels. So that was very fun to see and very fun to see how they pulled it off. And a little bit related to that, I really enjoyed seeing kind of all the Easter eggs that were layered in that movie. I think Free Guy was done by Fox, which was was, you know, ultimately owned by Disney. So they had a lot of stuff to play with. They could play with some of the Star Wars Easter eggs, some of the Avengers Easter eggs. And then they had all these uh, video game references, which was just so fun to me because I like I like video game. That's my top movie of like, 2021. Was there anything that you guys watched in 2021 that just wasn't worth it? And I'm going to use Netflix's Don't Look Up as an example because one of our writers, Brian, was so passionately against that movie. He hated it. And there have been a bunch of other strong feelings about that movie for whatever reason. You don't have to use Don't Look Up, but was there anything in 2021 that wasn't worth your time? I did watch Dune and I didn't really like it that much. So I kind of felt it was not worth my my time but I can't remember anything else that I watched last year that just wasn't worth my time because I remember liking mostly everything I have to agree Emily I also watched Dune it was a it was a wonderfully made movie it had great world building but by the end of it I was just really ticked off because I'm like this is basically just a two and a half hour trailer for a movie that you haven't even greenlit yet. And what I told my friends is that Dune felt like, it felt like something like Mockingjay part one or like Deathly Hallows part one. It felt like it was made as part one of a two part movie, but with part two already filmed and ready to release in like eight to 12 months. But it was filmed as a part one with like a part two not guaranteed. And so like that annoyed me because it was a good part one movie but with part two not coming out for like another two years, I felt like, I, like it was a waste of time because I liked it and I wanted more of it. But by the time the second movie comes out, I doubt I'm going to care about it anymore. So for me, I, I hate to say it, I was not the biggest fan of Black Widow. <sighs> I feel bad saying it, but I, I definitely wasn't the biggest fan of Black Widow. I, I did, I think the shining moments of that movie, I don't want to reiterate what I said already, but I liked Elena. I thought she was great. I liked the Red Guardian. I thought he was great, but everything else kind of felt disappointing and underwhelming, I would say. 
And I, I think it would have been a movie that would have been more, that would have been better received if it was released in chronological order, like right after Civil War, before Infinity War, and kind of let us into what was going to happen in Infinity War, because it almost felt like we knew what was going to happen. Like we, it was like a movie where you went in kind of knowing what was going to happen, where you didn't really feel surprised at the end. You were just like, oh, okay, this was a movie. It didn't, it didn't really leave me feeling anything. But like I said, the, the shining moment of that movie, obviously, and I'm sure Marvel feels the same way as Florence Pugh. She's going to be, you know, one of Marvel's big stars for the next decade. And Florence Pugh was such a breakout in that movie. And I think for me also, I, I struggle with Black Widow. And that's because it feels so out of place for me. We had Natasha's death in Endgame, and that was so meaningful and so emotional. And it's strange and hard to kind of have her come back and have this story that would have been great if it was told before Endgame, if it was told, you know, in that period prior to it, when we were still kind of wondering what was going on. It was just, it hit a little bit weird after we had already had her death. And a movie that I really also didn't like at all was the Space Jam sequel. I don't remember entirely what it's called, but it had LeBron James and it was just no original Space Jam. And I think part of that was because I saw the original Space Jam with Michael Jordan in theaters and this movie, this just felt like a cash grab and there was so much merchandise with it and it just, the story was weird and it just, it was not fun. Now that we're done with movies, let's talk a little bit about television. One big thing that happened with TV last year were the Disney Plus TV series. Comic book fans got their own version of what some have said is prestige TV, but we also had top-notch content from Netflix, HBO Max, and Amazon. It was the year of Hawkeye, The Never, Superman and Lois, Shadow and Bone, just to name a few. Were there any shows in 2021 that were you were really anticipating, and did they live up to your hype? Did they deliver? I think this is going to be one that I could go on for forever about, but I, I really did like WandaVision. I thought WandaVision was really well made. The idea was, was super original. I mean, I had never, when I first heard the idea, I thought it was crazy. I thought it was great, and the first couple episodes really nailed it. I think episodes one through... Episodes one through six generally were really, really, really good. I think it led us up to, we thought it was going somewhere that it ultimately end, didn't end up going to. And I think at the end that left fans a little disappointed. You know, we, we at the beginning we had all like the rumors about the villains and stuff and the surprise actors and all these random leaks and stuff. And I think that really kind of created a lot of discourse for the show and it made people think that the show was going somewhere that it wasn't so i think that's why the ending was somewhat disappointing for fans on top of that they were almost done shooting and covid and they, they even came out and said that covid kind of hindered the final episode a little bit and that's why the cgi was was rough and you could definitely tell that a lot of stuff is reshot but overall wandavision is definitely maybe the i, I would say it's the second best tv show behind loki to continue into that i thought loki was amazing i thought Loki was was just as original i thought it was it, it was fantastic. I, I really liked it and I'm really looking forward to seeing where season two goes. And at the moment, I can't really tell where season two is going to go. And that that is, I think, where they left it off as a great cliffhanger. And I really liked how they kind of introduced Kang and used that as the big introduction point for Kang because he really kind of feels like the time boss. Thanos kind of ruled space. And I think it's going to feel like Kang rules time. And I think what's going to happen is with the, these Avengers movies, you're going to see them kind of battling through time instead of battling for the Infinity Stone 
own. So, you know, my, my two favorite Disney Plus shows were Loki and WandaVision. I, I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It didn't really leave that much of lasting impression on me. And I'll say the same thing about Hawkeye. I liked Hawkeye. I thought Kate Bishop and Lena were great. I didn't think they do it. They, they really didn't do a whole lot for Clint. They didn't advance his story at all. It was kind of just felt like a setup for Kate. And that kind of left me a little annoyed. I wasn't exactly the biggest fan of what they did with Kingpin. I'm hoping they kind of fix that and wherever he shows up next. But I'd say overall, my, my two favorite Disney Plus shows were Loki and WandaVision. Was there anything not on Disney Plus that you really enjoyed? Oh, I'm trying to think. <sighs> I'm, I am one of the last people in the world who watches Walking Dead. And The Walking Dead is currently on its last season. It's going to be on its final season. It's finally going to be over. I know people are like, why isn't the show ever ended? But it's on its last season. I've stayed true to the show. I've been I've been watching the last season. And I think it's, I think they're doing a good job with the last season. I think they did, they've, ever since they brought on a new showrunner, I think the show has kind of reinvented itself. It's not what it used to be. So I would say for anybody who hasn't, you know, watched it in a while, give, give uh, the last couple seasons a chance. So I definitely agree about WandaVision. I feel like the Marvel Disney Plus shows were kind of hit and miss in a lot of different aspects for me. I don't think any of the shows ended super strongly. I think Hawkeye was the only one that really managed to stay like consistent, like week to week. And I'm sure part of that is because of COVID. But with WandaVision, I definitely think it became something too big because I know that people were disappointed at the ending. I have my own gripes with the ending, but not because of fan theories, just because of basic filmmaking things like how supporting characters just drop out of the show with no explanation. But for the most part, I really love WandaVision and I'll defend it to the end of the earth. But I do feel like the creators of WandaVision thought that they were so much smarter than the audience. And so they kept trying to like trick us and like create like all of these mysteries and it worked to a degree, but then it also got out of hand and led kind of like this disappointment, this disappointment and this backlash towards the end, which again, it isn't their fault, but I I feel like there are some things about WandaVision that could have been improved but overall it was a really good show it's still my favorite disney plus show i liked loki well enough but to me it did not feel like a loki show at all it just felt like a way to kind of trojan horse king into the mcu and i liked it overall i liked the things it introduced but i did not care for loki himself at all in the show i liked sylvie but that tva version of loki i would be perfectly fine if we never saw him again but yeah i liked i liked hawkeye that's like my second favorite show you're right it didn't do much for Clint, which is kind of disappointing but it did so much for for like Kate and it and it had a lot of good character development I know people were complaining week to week that like nothing is happening and I think it could have done with like a little bit more plot but I didn't mind just like hanging out with Kate and Clint every week what if should have been a bingeable series I think that, that was like a huge mistake and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier was great but that was one show that felt like it should have just been a movie instead of a series was there anything off of Disney plus that you really enjoyed or were anticipating not really I find it really hard to keep up with TV now so when the Marvel shows are just six episodes like once a week that's fine but I used to watch every CW show I never even made it around to Superman and Lois which I really want to eventually but I don't watch many other shows I never just sit down and like watch TV like the only time I really have to catch up on TV is like when I'm building Lego sets so I don't have much else to say about anything else yeah I'll add I used to watch all the CW shows and I don't watch any of them anymore I mean I don't watch The Flash I haven't even seen an episode of Superman and Lois they kind of ruined the CW I would say and that's that's really disappointing because 
Arrow used to be an amazing show and the early seasons of The Flash used to be really good. So that bugs me too. I used to love watching CW shows every week, but now they're not very good. I really love WandaVision this year too. I will agree with both of you that sometimes they did think that they were a little like too smart and they thought that they could outsmart the audience and there were like some things that could have been like a little better, but it was probably my favorite show of 2021. I love the sitcoms like through the decades. I thought they did that really well because like I love sitcoms. So something me and Wanda have in common i loved hawkeye this year too oh uh the bad batch star the star wars animated show i like that they were kind of continuing it because it feels like a continuation of clone wars a little bit of rebels and i'm a huge fan of both those shows and there wasn't a lot of hype around it which is understandable but i still think for like the first season they did a good job and on hulu there was only murders in the building and that surprised me just because of the cast because it was like selena gomez and steve martin and um, steve martin yeah Martin Short I think yeah Steve Martin Martin Short it surprised me just like the how well like the three of them were together they're really that pairing or I guess that triplicate whatever you want to call it is really really an interesting thing and they really work so well together Emily is there anything besides in Hulu besides Disney plus anything on any other platform that you are that you enjoyed no it's really hard to keep up with them I think because I only really kind of pay attention to Disney plus and Hulu HBO Max Young Justice came out last year and they're still putting out episodes because this season isn't over yet but that's been really good so far too so i'm gonna ask you guys something that wasn't quite on our our little question or topic list but i'm really curious so all three of you cited the mystery with wandavision and you know the the show's creators and big bosses kind of thinking that they could outsmart the fans do you think that they plan to kind of unleash this beast of Twitter theories and website theories? D did they know what they were creating when they made these episodes and these, this weekly schedule? So I think they did, but I didn't think they, that they thought it would go to this level. I also thought with the one division, I think that they had a perfect opportunity to go to these places. Like they had an ability to set up Agatha as kind of the person who's delivering a message for an even bigger villain. Um, and I do wish that they went that route like a whether it be nightmare i would assume it have to be nightmare because i don't think they would allow mephisto right now i think nightmare was probably you know an option they could have went with especially because you know it was referenced a couple of times that like wanda was kind of in like a dream like state and westview was kind of like a dream like state i thought that that was you know something that they could have went with to get back to the topic i think they wanted to create that mystery they, they, they addressed it so many times in episodes where characters were visibly confused about like, you know, like a mystery or something and inside and outside of Westview, they were like, what's going on? And that's kind of like the whole theme was like, what's going on in this show? And when you bring it to that level of mystery, you have to have it pay off. And it was really, really, really obvious that Agnes was Agatha. So that reveal didn't, it wasn't surprising. It kind of felt like, okay, thank you. Like finally Agatha's out of the bag. Like what's next now? Like what's the real mystery? And the real mystery being Agatha and her kind of like, you know, controlling everything was kind of underwhelming. The same thing with Ralph Boner. That was a terrible idea by Marvel. I mean, I know some people thought it was funny. I just think that was a terrible idea, especially because some people were clamoring for Quicksilver to come back and or, or Evan Peters to play a multiversal Quicksilver. I think kind of like, <laughs> you know, trolling Marvel fans was, I just didn't think that was a good idea at all. And I'm kind of glad that now they're taking this multiverse stuff seriously and they're not just, you know, messing with everybody. So that's that's my thoughts on WandaVision. See, I don't think that that's a problem at all. I think 
think it's good to be able to poke fun at your fans. And again, I feel like people were really way too dramatic about that because they were like, oh my God, I can't believe Marvel's screwing us over like with the multiverse again. And I don't understand why people were so upset when they knew that the multiverse was coming to us in like a year with Doctor Strange. But I do think it would have worked better with the original release schedule because if we were going to get a giant multiverse movie packed full of real cameos a month after WandaVision ended, then I think people would have felt less burned. And the other thing is that I don't think it was a problem to make that a joke. I really liked it because I would have thrown a fit if if he had actually been Pietro and stayed in the MCU because he has like that P- like that Peter, like he's not even Pietro in his universe. He's Peter. He doesn't have a Wanda. I would have hated if he had like actually been the X-Men Quicksilver. But I, I think the mistake was dragging it out for so long. If he wasn't going to be the X-Men universe's Quicksilver, there was no reason to make fans wait for three episodes only to throw him away on a boner joke in the finale. And again, I do think WandaVision's finale has issues because he's literally just in like one scene in episode, like in the end credits of episode seven, then he's just mentioned in eight, and then he's in one scene in nine to clear up the mystery. But that was a huge mistake because then he just drops out of the show and he has nothing to do with it. So now you just like just made a bunch of fans mad for three weeks for a bad joke. Whereas in the like the original version of the finale where he would have teamed up with Monica and the kids to like help them get the dark hold out of Agatha's basement, at least then he would have still had a purpose and still had something to do. I do think that the that the creators knew what they were doing, but I don't think that they did it well. Because even like the stuff with Dottie, like Emma Caulfield Ford has said that she loved the idea of being like this red herring to like just make fans guess. And I think that that worked for her character because people were still speculating on who is Dottie by episode seven. But I think that they tried the same thing with Evan Peters and they just did not play that game correctly. Yeah, I think they did definitely drag out some things like way too long, like character reveals and stuff. Like we all knew Agnes was Agatha. There was like no need to really kind of drag it out, but I get why they did it. I think with like the fans online though, that it got so crazy and we kind of got into like, to me, it felt like we stepped into a new era of like leaks and fan theories and just like how crazy and like kind of like almost how toxic Twitter felt for me at least. So I had kind of stayed away from a lot of it while WandaVision was in its last like three to four episodes because I just could not read it anymore. Yeah. And part of that is like, I like people were speculating that Mr. Fantastic was going to be the aerospace engineer. And I'm like, first of all, that's on you. That's, that was an extremely like dumb theory. Like no offense to anyone that thought that, but that was an insanely stupid theory that took off like way too far. So I don't think the creators could have foreseen stuff like that. But on the topic of the aerospace engineer, if the aerospace engineer wasn't going to be anyone, because I believe Jack Schaefer just said that she's just Monica's friend and she just shows up in a time of need and she named her after like one of her friends in real life. That's a beautiful sentiment. But then why did you tease it for two episodes by being like, oh, I have to call my friend. Oh, great. My friend's here. Let's go meet them. And then talk about it in interviews, like wait until you see who the engineer is. There's just no reason to do that. And I feel like that's part of, again, like what made the conversation so like toxic and irritating on Twitter for just like a period of a couple of weeks. Yep, that's that's a big, I completely forgot about the aerospace engineer. I thought it was actually a great idea that they ended up being scrolls. I had no problem with that. It's just the execution didn't work. I, I thought that it was, 
they didn't there was no need to draw it out there was no need to, for us to wait a couple episodes you know the same thing with you know agatha and the same thing with you know ralph boner i think all those three plot points i just don't know if they were clear on what they wanted to do or if they were clear on what they wanted to do it just didn't execute properly i mean agatha was a great character i mean she she's awesome and i'm really glad she's getting a, her own tv show i just thought that with the aerospace engineer i thought you know you could have had monica be like okay i need to call my friend and then cut to a scene with the scrolls or like you know have it be in the same episode it didn't need to be like this thing where people were guessing and waiting for this huge reveal for it to be like super underwhelming because it wasn't underwhelming for me because i thought it was great that it made so much sense that it was the scrolls because of monica's connection to the scrolls you know obviously you could tell dotty's character was was i thought originally i thought dotty's character was going to be a part of like agatha's coven of witches or something i thought that was a that was a theory that i had in the beginning i thought that would have been cool but at the end it definitely made sense that that all these characters were just characters that actually lived in westview and were being mind controlled i don't know why they had to say that Dottie was the key to everything because she really wasn't like she there was nothing there was no resolution with her besides like it just being revealed that she was a citizen of westview but yeah i mean that that's kind of my overall problems with the show i'd say but drew sorry like because I, I noticed you kept calling like the aerospace engineer crew scrolls but they weren't like that was a popular fan theory but the only scroll in the show was that FBI agent at the end who we hadn't seen before. So like that confused me because I thought that, that yeah, that the aerospace engineer oh, were, were going to be scrolls. Yeah, I'm totally mixed up on that, aren't I? I thought, I totally thought they were scrolls. I thought that, oh man, I can't believe I didn't, I don't, I didn't remember that. So they, they were just normal army people. Yeah, but I mean, it seems so obvious that they should be scrolls. Like I'm not at all surprised that, that you thought that because like. I thought they were. I totally thought, I like, I thought that the person who visited her at the end was part of that group and she just was in like normal clothes it's just so weird to me and i mean i feel like the whole dragging out reveals thing is an issue for everything so with agatha i know that they started developing wandavision with agatha just being there from the beginning and they said that she was going to mentor her and then later in development they turned her into a villain but then they keep saying that the show has no villain that it's grief and i understand that sentiment but then why did you have an actual villain? And I love Agatha, but I, I, I'm okay with her reveal. Her reveal didn't feel dragged out like too long because there were other mysteries going on. But in every other Disney Plus show for Marvel, there's too much being dragged out. Falcon and the Winter Soldier had the power broker. No one needed that dragged out for like four weeks. You know, Loki had He Who Remains. That was fine. I think that that worked because again, it anchored like the entire show. It wasn't like an annoying side question. But then like Hawkeye Kingpin, Hawkeye would have been so much better. Like I like Hawkeye. I think it was pretty good. But I think Hawkeye would have been so much better if Kingpin had just shown up and started doing things in episode three instead of only being in a single episode. Yeah, the, the mystery villain thing is kind of becoming a trend with Marvel Disney Plus shows. And I think it's kind of getting a little bit stale. I really liked, I think there were so many rumors. We knew Kang was coming. We knew Kingpin was coming. Power Broker wasn't really revealed, but we could kind of guess it was going to be Sharon. The cool thing with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was Julia Louis-Dreyfus. We really didn't know who was who that was going to be. And we had been teased that there was a character coming. So that was cool. But I think with Marvel, they got to switch it up. They can't keep going with these mystery characters that we have to wait six weeks for. I think it's going to get really stale and people are going to get really tired of it. On top of that, Marvel has had a ton of leaks. We've known half the villains that were coming already. So was, there was really no payoff for it. We knew Kingpin was coming. We knew he was the big man at the top. We knew Kang was coming. We didn't know what version of Kang. Yeah, with WandaVision, we knew it was Agatha. I, I think we're going to see a change in kind of the trend of D-plus shows moving into 2022 with like She-Hulk and 
Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, I, I think they're going to kind of move past that secret villain trend. It's so interesting to hear this debate and just to hear the strong, passionate feelings about WandaVision because it was it was so such a thing. It, it inspired so many theories, so many thoughts from people. But for now, I think we can kind of close the door on 2021 and move on. It's 2022. We've got a lot of really cool content this year, and now we can talk about that content and talk about what we're excited to see. There's so much coming out. So what are the two television series, not just on Disney Plus, you know, on any of the mediums, although I have a feeling it's all going to kind of skew Disney Plus, that you're most excited for and why? I can go away from Disney Plus for a second. I'm definitely excited for the new Game of Thrones prequel. Me, I'm a huge, Game of Thrones is my favorite show of all time. I know everybody hates the ending. I don't really love the ending either. I mean, I don't love season eight. It wasn't very good, but I love the show in general. And for me, <laughs> I'm one of like I'm one of very few where the ending of a TV show doesn't really matter to me because I don't want it to be over. So the way it ends, I don't really care. I just love the show in general, and I'm really excited for what they're going to do with the new Game of Thrones show. I think you know George R. R. Martin is the creator of Game of Thrones. He's really heavily involved in it. His stories have been excellent. I think they're going to go in a really good direction, bringing back all the dragons. I hope it's going to be another cultural event. You know, that is a show that I am very, very excited for. Uh, with Lord of the Rings too, a new Lord of the Rings show. I hope it's going to be really good. I just hope that Game of Thrones and the world. The rings aren't going to be too similar. I feel like they're going to come out around the same time. So I feel like it, I just hope it isn't too much of the same thing where I get burnt out. Those are definitely two shows that I'm really excited for. Besides, like, obviously all the Marvel shows. I'm excited for all the Marvel D Plus series. I'm excited for, you know, Mando season three. Of the Marvel shows, is what are your most anticipated? Ooh, for this year, that's tough. I would say... Secret Invasion is probably at the top. I mean, I think Moon Knight is going to be like Marvel the MCU's version of like Daredevil just kind of seems like they're heading in that direction where it's going to be kind of dark and a darker story. It seems like they're heading that way. And I think that's probably why Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke signed on. I think Ethan Hawke did an interview where he was, you know, it's not your typical Marvel story. And off the first trailer, it definitely seemed to be going in a much different direction. It doesn't really look like a Marvel show. It's kind of hard to think like this is in the same universe as Spider-Man, all that stuff. So I'm, I, I think Moon Knight is a, a show I'm excited for. I'm very excited for She-Hulk. I think She-Hulk's going to be a very, uh, is going to be like world build show. I think She-Hulk is going to be like the like a world building show across all of Marvel's street level characters. I think that's going to be really good. Miss Marvel, I'm not going to lie, I'm really not that excited for Miss Marvel. But I hope that the show changes my mind. Uh, definitely going to watch it. I mean, I watch all the Marvel shows, so I'm hoping that that changes my mind. But overall, I think Secret Evasion probably at the top. They have like an all-star cast. I mean, they're, that whole cast is insane. I think they're definitely setting it up to be one of Marvel's best shows, and I'm hoping that it lives up to that. For shows i'm really excited for kenobi and archer season 13 for archer the way they left off like season 12 spoilers the mom left because the voice actress died in real life so it was like kind of like a bittersweet moment for the show and it was a good like, goodbye to her as well it was actually the first time i cried at archer which surprised me because usually it's just like a funny show and sometimes serious but i've never ever cried at it but that really hurt me so because they were spies again finally but now the agency was sold so it's 
confusing as to where they're going with it at the moment and I'm amazed that it's lasted 13 seasons for Disney plus like Marvel stuff I am really excited for Moon Knight and She-Hulk and then like all the other Star Wars shows as well I'm really hoping that they Miss Marvel is good because that's one of the ones that I'm really looking forward to but with all the rumors and stuff it's just it's hard to kind of block those out and this is like what are they doing with it so I just hope that it kind of stays true to the comic book story and that they are doing a good job with it yeah I think at the moment I don't I don't think we really know what's going on with Miss Marvel they're about to go into like heavy reshoots I would guess they're probably that means they're probably going to change some of the story I think at the moment that show is kind of up in the air and it's it, like the trajectory it's heading in is not the not the best I'm hoping that you know they can turn that show around and that it's going to be good you know I think Miss Marvel's a really interesting character and I hope that they stay true to her comic book you know abilities and her comic book story I'm looking forward to that I'm also I completely forgot about Kenobi I completely forgot about the Obi-Wan show and I'm really really looking forward to that because I love I love nostalgic show I like I love nostalgic movies and nostalgic shows that bring back old characters I mean Obi-Wan like you know uh, Ewan McGregor was like part of my childhood like him and Hayden Christensen and Anakin and Obi-Wan I grew up on that so it's gonna be awesome to see them back i'm really really excited i think obi-wan is one of the best star wars characters and i think ewan mcgregor's portrayal of him is amazing and i really hope they can delve more into that in the show i would say that's definitely that might be my most anticipated show of the year i think it's going to surprise a lot of people i think kenobi is going to be really good and i think you know having darth vader in it it's going to be really interesting to see obi-wan and darth vader kind of meet up again me too i was so happy when they said hayden christensen was coming back for that and i know it's not coming out in 22 too, but Ahsoka, which is going to start filming this year, and he's coming back for that. So I'm just curious yeah. as to how he's going to fit in there. If it's going to, I be- think they're going to do like flashbacks, like like the Clone Wars. Like I feel like they're going to make the Clone Wars stuff like canon and live action. They're going to show like that Ahsoka was his Padawan or like awesome. you know I think that's gonna be really exciting for a lot of people to see that in live action because I know a lot of people were like I wish we saw this in live action because it was only in the Clone Wars and I think they're gonna make that uh they're gonna do a lot of flashbacks with Hayden Christensen and I bet that they're gonna do like like kind of like what they're doing with the Book of Boba Fett which kind of scares me a little bit I bet that they're gonna do a story that takes place in the past and a story that takes place present that kind of link up in the end and I think that's gonna be really cool and that's gonna be a really good way to kind of incorporate Hayden Christensen while also staying on track with you know Thrawn being the villain so I think that's I think Ahsoka is gonna be really good too how about you Day? I'm extremely excited for Ahsoka I'm not a big Star Wars fan but I know way too much about the franchise against my will so I'm just kind of along for the ride for most of this stuff I don't care about Obi-Wan oh crap okay I lied. I do care about Obi-Wan because Moses Ingram from The Queen's Gambit is in it. And she said on Instagram that she has a lightsaber in the show. So I will be watching it just for her. I no longer care about Andor. I would have watched it, but then like they cut out K2SO and I liked his dynamic with Cassian. So with him out of there, I don't care about that show either. Mandalorian season three, I'm excited for because I was not excited for it at the end of season two, but after the latest episode of the book of Boba Fett, I'm like back on the hype train. And then as for like non Disney plus stuff, how I met your father on Hulu. I know it's already started, but I haven't watched any of it yet. And I'm really looking forward to that. I can't believe that they actually made a spinoff happen. And I'm also really looking forward to the new Lord of the Rings show. We have been hearing about that for years and with the amount of money that they poured into it, I know that even if the story is crap, it's just going to be gorgeous to look at. And I don't think 
I don't really think I have like other big things. Netflix has Inventing Anna, which is really interesting. It's like the story of a Russian girl who tricked a bunch of wealthy New Yorkers into thinking that she was uh, also like rich. And then Netflix also has the Cuphead show, which I'm excited for because I just started playing Cuphead. And then as, as for Marvel, Secret Invasion is definitely top of my list. I don't know if it's still coming out this year, but... I think that one's going to blow everyone away. I think that that will definitely be the best Marvel Disney Plus show to date. Moon Knight looks incredible. She-Hulk, I'm also looking forward to. Very worried about Miss Marvel. I'm Indian, and the things that I've been hearing about Miss Marvel make me very, very scared for Cow, just for certain things, because I, f- I feel like some things feel a little bit racist on paper, so I hope that they end up being fine in the show. But yeah, if if the reshoots help improve that show, I'll be happy. But right now I'm just terrified that it's going to be their first swing and a miss in terms of representing like other cultures. Yeah, I some things we've heard about Miss Marvel, I can't believe that they sat down and thought that that was a good idea for certain things that they're doing. I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm still kind of confused about some of the directions that they chose for that. But I think with reshoots, maybe they're kind of changing some of that. So I'm, I, I'm definitely going to try and have a hopeful, you know, remain hopeful about Miss Marvel. I hope they get buy-in from community members and people that can say to them, hey, this is a really bad idea. This, I'm not going to say what it is because, you know, it's all still up in the air that this is, could be a really bad stereotype and is not, not the way to first portray a community. I'm excited about Miss Marvel. In, in some ways, though, I'm excited for the character of Nakia because she's a Turkish girl on TV and I'm kind of biased with that. So I want to see how they handle it and I hope they handle that well. I'm really, really excited for Moon Knight because like a lot of kids, I was obsessed with Egypt and Egyptian mythology. And I think that that's such an interesting place and to tell a story from. And I want to see that mythology in the Marvel world. You know, we've already seen kind of the Norse mythology and how that's brought down to earth. And I want to see that here with Egyptian mythology. I'm also excited for a couple of other things that are not D plus, And I think I'm the only one. <laughs> um, so I feel like a broken record with this, but I'm excited for Shadow and Bone season two. It's on Netflix. It's based on the YA series of books by Lee Bardugo. And I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. It's got Ben Barnes, Jesse Maylay in it. And it's just really fun and a very beautifully shot kind of Soviet-esque fantasy series. But that was really fun actually watching in 2021. I'm also excited about Star Trek Picard because it's Star Trek and it's Picard. How can I not be excited about it? And the trailer recently came out and in that trailer, hopefully this isn't too spoilery, but there was the Borg Queen. And if you watch Star Trek, if you are a fan of Star Trek, the Borg Queen is dead. She died at the end of Voyager, but now all of a sudden she's back. So I want to see how they handle that. I want to see how she's back because Picard has such a history with the Borg Queen and, you know, see how that works out. Let's talk about movies for 2022. What single movie are you most excited to see in theaters? And what movie are you excited to see, but you're going to watch it from the comfort of your home? I think picking one is kind of hard. But for me, the uh, the theater movie is going to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, just by the skin of its teeth, because I'm also insanely excited for Jurassic World Dominion. I'm like a huge Jurassic Park fan, and that movie is like the end game of Jurassic Park movies. It's bringing like everybody back. But with what I know about Multiverse of Madness and the things that hopefully I don't know, I think that that's just going to be like a theatrical experience like no other. I'm also excited to see, you know, all the other Marvel movies in theaters, of course. 
the Batman is probably the DC movie I'm most excited for. But then there are a couple of other ones. I really want to see the Bob's Burgers movie. I love that show. So I'm really excited for the movie. And then Moonfall actually looks quite entertaining to me. And then Don't Worry Darling, I think I would also like to see in theaters. As for at home, I'm really excited for the Pixar movies like Turning Red desperate to see that. A new Ice Age movie just came out on Disney+. Plus. I'm also really excited for that because I love the dinosaurs from Ice Age. And then I'm cautiously optimistic about the next Fantastic Beasts movie, but especially if COVID is bad, I'm definitely not going to rush out to a theater to see it because I was not impressed with the first trailer. It looks exactly like the second movie, and so I don't really know if that's going get, to get me to buy a ticket. So for me, the movie that I'm definitely going to go see is pretty obvious. It's going to be it's going to be Doctor Strange in the multiverse multiverse of madness that movie i think is probably going to be on par with spider-man no way home obviously you know with toby Maguire and andrew garfield being back that that really brought i think you know that along with the villains brought everybody to theaters and well i think no way home would have been good if it was like a you know identity crisis movie i don't think it would have i mean obviously it wouldn't have made the money it made without the you know crazy appearances from like all these multiversal characters that we've seen in the past and i think i think doc strange and the multiverse of madness is probably going to follow that trend it's probably going to be i know a lot of people are worried it's not going to be a doctor strange oriented movie i think it's probably going to be a story about Doctor Strange and Wanda Maximoff with some crazy cameos, you know, added in there. I think people are probably really worried it's just going to be a cameo fest and it's going to be, you know, ridiculous. And, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to, there's going to be a coherent story that kind of has a resolution and, and makes sense in the grand scheme of Marvel. But if in terms of movies that I'm definitely going to go see, it's got to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm also going to go see the Batman. That's I think the two box office winners this year are going to be Doctor Strange and probably the Batman. Everything else I'll probably watch from home i'm excited about four i just don't not i don't know if i'm really rushing to go see that movie depending on how the trailer looks probably the same with all the other dc and all the other marvel movies just depends on the trailer and if i'm really that if i'm really that interested in going to see it how about you emily i like uday and drew i'm super duper excited for dr strange and the multiverse of madness i think that's going to be another great like theater experience like um spider-man no way home was for sure and i think because everyone also thinks like that it is just going to be there's just going to be so many cameos i think it's going to be timed out well i think toby and andrew had a good amount of time in no way home so i think they'll be i think they'll be mindful of that when they go in and they're finishing like this up and with their reshoots that they just did but I'm also definitely going to go see the Batman I'm excited for the Bob's Burgers movie too I'm a huge fan of that show Lightyear I'm really looking forward to that one and um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse part one which I think comes out in October but I'm also excited for Turning Red I know that's going to be a Disney Plus release which was a surprise for some people but I think it's because of how well Luca and like all the other Pixar movies have been doing on Disney Plus being just streaming releases. I'm going to join the crowd as well and I'm I'm excited about you know the multiverse of madness both because of what we've heard and also so I asked you guys leading up to the Spider-Man movie and I say you guys as in the writers for the site what was going to replace you know the hype and our excitement for it after after Spider-Man was done because I thought it was going to be such a letdown and I don't remember who it was but someone said multiverse of madness and I didn't believe them I was totally wrong because I am very excited for this movie to come out and I'm excited to see it in theaters. I don't know, you know, when I go back and forth, I don't know if I'm going to see anything else in theaters or if I'll just watch it from my couch. I've kind of, 
I like the convenience of watching things at home, but depending on the trailers, I might go see Uncharted. I don't exactly remember when that comes out. I think it's soon though. I know we've been kind of amping out the, amping up the trailers and more and more information about the movie has been released. And I like Tom Holland, of course. You know, I like the Nathan Drake series and the video game. So I'm, I'm excited to see that and see the execution for that. And I think that I will probably go see, you know, the Black Panther movie. I think that's this year, but I might be confusing. And I know the calendar has moved around a lot. And we were talking about it in the our little pre-show mic check, but I'm I'm starting to get excited about Moonfall just because it looks so ridiculous and it looks so just over the top. It's Roland Emmerich and it's, you know, I think somebody said it was an indie movie, but it's an indie movie with, you know, $170 million budget and that's huge for any movie. So I want to see what they do with that. And I think the trailer played before Spider-Man. So that just made it all the more exciting. Let's talk about our actual rankings of TV, of movies. What's your top four for the year? And I'm going to try to keep track of it as we go. Drew, do you want to start it off or top five for the year? Sure. For top five, okay, so I'll go from five down to one, you know, one being anticipated and five being, you know, like obviously my top five will be my top five, but number one will be the most anticipated. For five, right now I'm going to say Secret Invasion because it's uh, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion is hopefully going to be like a really big TV show. I mean, it's a huge story in the comics. So I would assume they're kind of, you know, Kevin Feige's tried to play it down a little bit, but I would assume they're going to amp up the level a little bit, a little bit, not going to make it a big thing. Number four, number four is tough. I I think number four is going to be probably Thor, Thor Love and Thunder. It's it's hard to, you know, I love Thor. I think Thor is a great character. And I think having the Guardians of the Galaxy being there for a little while is going to be cool. I, I really like Korg. I think Korg is a really, really funny character and adds a lot of, he, he's just a great character. I like his character. I think Valkyrie is great. And I think people seeing, you know, Jane Foster become Thor, I think that's going to, I think the movie is going to be a lot bigger than people think it is at the moment. Right now, you know, there's not a lot of talk about the new Thor movie. Doctor Strange is kind of overshadowing that. Thor is number four. Three, I don't think that I'm going to like the movie, to be honest, just based off of like what I've heard and stuff. I don't really think I'm going to like it, but I also am excited for it because I think, so the movie that I'm talking about for number three is The Flash. While I'm probably not going to like the movie, I mean, it sounds pretty similar to what they're doing in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in terms of bringing back past characters. Obviously, Michael Keaton is going to be in it. You know, Ben Affleck's going to be in it. They're introducing Supergirl. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of other past characters coming back that we don't know about right now, but it kind of sounds like that's what they're planning on doing. While the story doesn't sound as coherent as what Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is, but I do love nostalgia, like I've said. I think The Flash is definitely going to touch on nostalgia and it's going to be a huge, a much bigger movie than people think. While it might not be as loved as Doctor Strange is, I think it's going to be a kind of on par with how many characters are going to show up and stuff like that. Because I think the Warner Brothers wants to match what Marvel is doing in terms of the multiverse stuff. It kind of seems like Warner Brothers and Marvel kind of do the same thing. Warner Brothers, you know, might follow Marvel a little bit. For number two, this is, this is tough. For number two, I think it's going to be the Batman. I think the Batman looks really, really, really good. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think it's kind of like a mix. To me, what the Batman looks like is like a mix between Christopher Nolan's Batman movies and and kind of what Zack Snyder was doing. There's a realistic aspect to it along with kind of the comic book feel of Gotham. And it kind of blend, it kind of seems like it's blending 
the reality and the comic bookiness together. And I think that's going to be a really interesting dynamic to see, um, kind of seeing a realistic take on a fictional world. You know, Christopher Nolan obviously did that, but it was so realistic to the point where it took away from certain Batman characters like Bane, where they kind of had to retcon his his whole character to make it realistic. And I, I think they're not going to end up doing that with the Batman. They're going to make it realistic, but they're going to kind of keep that you know, supernatural fictional world of Gotham. Um, and then obviously number one is going to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I mean, it's kind of hard not to be really, really excited for that movie. I know the, f- the first trailer didn't show a whole lot. We saw an alternate version of Doctor Strange. We saw a little bit of Wanda. We saw a very minor amount of America Chavez. And I think when the marketing really amps up and we see the first full trailer, I'm hoping that they kind of let us in on what's going on in this movie. And I think they will a little bit because the second trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, the first trailer, I'm going to compare the two. I'm going to compare Doctor Strange to Spider-Man. The first trailer of Spider-Man, they didn't show any villains except for a very, very quick clip of Dr. Octopus at the end. And then in the second trailer, they kind of went ahead and let all the cats out of the bag besides for Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. They showed all the villains and kind of what the plot of the story is and where it's going. So what I'm hoping is with the, this first Doctor Strange teaser, they kind of just showed a couple of characters and maybe where the story's heading. And I think in the second trailer, they're probably going to open it up a little bit more and and maybe give us something that makes people think it's worth seeing because they're hiding a lot from this movie and they want this movie to perform really well. And in order for that to happen, they there has to be some information out there to the public about some of the stuff that's going on in this movie that people don't know. So I think with the second trailer, they're probably going to amp up the marketing a little bit. And overall, you know, from what I've heard, I'm really, really, really excited for this movie. And it's uh, it's going to be my number one, hopefully, of the year. How about you, Uday? Okay, so making this list was practically impossible. So I'll go from the bottom up as well. I'm going to just loop these in kind of at like sixth place. Black Panther 2, The Lord of the Rings TV show, and Fantastic Beasts 3. Those are all kind of around the same level of anticipation because I don't know how they're going to be pulled off. Um, Except for two of them, it's like bad, like bad anticipation. Like I'm worried about them. Black Panther and Fantastic Beasts, I'm really worried about how those are going to turn out. Uh, Whereas Lord of the Rings, I'm like cautiously optimistic. But then getting into it proper, this list is dominated by movies. Thor Love and Thunder is number five on mine. I'm really excited for that movie, but I have faith in Taika Waititi to pull it off. I'm just really excited to see how they do Jane. And I don't care. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed until like the second end credit scene that we get Hella back. Then number four for me would be The Flash, um, definitely the DC movie I'm like most excited for because the Batman isn't on this list just for one reason, and that's because I have complete and utter faith in Matt Reeves. I'm excited for it, but there's nothing I'm questioning because I'm just, everything in the trailers looks amazing. Batman and Catwoman looks amazing. So I'm excited for it, but I'd rather have things that I'm like curious about on my list and I'm not really curious about the Batman because I feel like I know what to expect. So The Flash, I'm really looking forward to see how they do Supergirl and how Michael Keaton's Batman is integrated. And I want to see if Ezra Miller can make Barry an interesting character because I did not really care for him in either version of the Justice League movie. Then Secret Invasion is number third. Definitely, I think like the biggest Disney Plus show to date. And Again, like all-star cast, scrolls, infiltration, spies. I mean, I'm just really, really excited to see how they pull that off on TV. Then second most anticipated is Jurassic World Dominion because I'm really hoping that it's going to be good and I'm excited to see how they kind of wrap up, you know, like the last, what is it, like 25, almost 30 years 
yeah, it's almost, damn, it's almost 30 years of, of Jurassic Park movies. And then number one is obviously Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I feel like that's going to be number one for a lot of people, but I'm really, really excited to see how they pull that one off. Because again, I think that it could very easily become a mess. I'm hoping and praying that it doesn't, but we'll have to see. How about you, Emily? So at number five, I have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I'm a huge animation fan, and I just love that like each world that they're going to go through is going to have a different style of animation. And I'm just really excited to see Miles and Gwen again. And to see Spider-Man 2099 more involved too, I feel like he's going to have like a big role. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Number four, the Batman. I like Robert Pattinson. I was happy when he got cast at first and I was like, I think he's going to do a really good job with it. And he brought up Mask of the Phantasm in an interview the other day. And I feel like no one ever talks about that. So I'm excited that he's kind of comparing it to that. For number three, I'm excited for She-Hulk. I just started reading some She-Hulk comics and I'm excited for actually get a first look instead of just like that little 20 second thing that we got from Disney Plus Day. And I think it's going to be really good and I'm happy to have Mark Ruffalo back in that as well. For two, Kenobi, I'm excited to see him and Hayden Christensen like come back together and be like Darth Vader and Obi-Wan again. And I'm just, I have no idea where that's going to go. So and if Obi-Wan's like going to leave Tatooine or what, and if there are going to be flashbacks from the Clone Wars. And, and number one, of course, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And it's just going to be an insane theater experience and an insane movie to see who's going to be in it and everything. I think it is going to be on like No Way Home in a lot of ways. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. Now, is there anything else that you guys are excited for in 2022, be it video games, comics, any other kind of medium that's within the sites genre? Uh, Uday, do you want to start it off? Um, I'm not a big video game person, but I know a lot of people are excited about the new Lego Star Wars. Wars game. I've played Lego Star Wars games before, but again, not my thing. I'm more into other Lego games. But if we can talk about any medium, like word on the Lego street is that they're going to be releasing like a $500 Marvel set this year, which could be Avengers Tower. So that will literally break my mind because it'll probably come out like around the same time as Multiverse of Madness. How about you, Drew? For me, the only really, the only real video game I'm excited for this year is probably the Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. I mean, we talked about that a little bit earlier. For the, I think it's going to be really cool. My only issue is I wish it was going to be multiplayer. I, <laughs> you know, I love playing campaign games with my friends and I wish there was more of them. And I, I, I mean, I get why it's not, it's not optimal to have a multiplayer game look as good as it does, you know, compared to a single player game where you don't have to focus about the online connection and all that stuff but i'm definitely really excited for the the game and to play it other than that i think there's the second god of war game that's coming out i just got the first god of war game and i've never played it before actually and i'm really excited to try it out and i did hear that there's another god of war game coming out so i'm gonna try and finish it before that game comes out other than that i don't know i don't know what the call of duty game that's coming out this year i mean i don't play call of duty as much as i used to when i was a kid but i probably will still end up buying it other than that i don't really know of any other game that are coming out. So I think those are, you know, those two games are games that I'm looking forward to this year. How about you, Emily? I'm excited for Gotham Knights video game because the trailer showed that the villain's going to be Court of Owls and Bruce is dead. So it kind of was like Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Red Hood like on their own to protect Gotham. So I think it's really interesting. And I love the Court of Owls story. And I feel like I never hear anybody talk about it enough. It's just so good. But my fear with it though is that Bruce isn't really dead and the Court of Owls just kind of like turned him into like 
Talon or like a, something like that. And he's just going to be like a surprise villain. That's going to be the plot twist, which I would absolutely hate. Yeah, I would probably hate that too. <laughs> Honestly, I, I do really like the, I, I wanted to add to what Emily said. I do really, really, really like the Quarter Owl story so much so that I wrote a theory article that the Quarter Owls could be a secret kind of background villain in the Batman. And that's kind of what, what I pieced together was that I thought that the Riddler was kind of leading, leading, you know, Bruce to the, you know, the past of his parents and all the corruption in Gotham. And I thought that all of that could lead to potentially being the Court of Owls. And I just, I'm really excited to see what they do with the Court of Owls and Gotham Knights. And I, I really feel like the Court of Owls is a great story that Matt Reeves could touch on really good. I think Matt Reeves could do that really well. And I'm hoping that they do that. I think it would fit really well with the overall theme of Matt Reeves' Gotham. Because it kind of seems like he, you know, he keeps bringing up the word corruption and, and like, you know, kind of the this behind the scenes stuff going on. And that's kind of like, you know, all about what the Court of Owls is about. So I'm really hoping that maybe that's kind of the end game for this Batman trilogy that they're doing. I think that would be a really nice kind of, you know, end, end game for that. I agree with you like 100% Drew because he keeps bringing up corruption. So I think like the Court of Owls would definitely be like a good background and especially like something for Bruce to uncover like, more towards the end of the movie, especially since this Bruce Wayne seems like he's been so cut off and kind of like a recluse just to find out about the court of owls at the end and then just keep going from there would be something really cool to find yeah i think it could be something that they could just like they could do it like towards the end of the second movie into the third movie i feel like they're gonna go with they're kind of gonna i feel like they're gonna world build and i feel like they're gonna do more than three of these batman movies i feel like they might do four just because i think matt reeves wants to go through all of the batman villains like he, he added so many villains in this movie you know with like penguin you know riddler and catwoman and, and having the batman and i think he He's going to really build like a really big kind of Gotham. And I think they're going to do all these villains. I think in the second movie, they're going to have just as many villains and stuff. And I would assume the Penguin is going to be back. And I wonder if he's going to have all of these villains evolve into, you know, their comic book counterparts. Because if you saw on the Batman Funkos that came out, none of them, besides Bruce Wayne's Batman, none of them go by their none of them go by their comic book villain name. So I'm curious if that's where they're they're headed with the movie. Now, a few days ago, we got news that The Rock was going to do another video game movie. So I thought I would ask you guys about it because it's kind of in genre. So he said he's going to do a movie that his for a game that his kids have played, but he can't talk about it yet. It's still very early in development, but people have been speculating. Some people have said, oh, it's Call of Duty or it's God of War. Do you guys have any thoughts about what The Rock's mystery movie could be? We know it's not Doom because he already did that. That's tough. I don't know. I think because like he said, it's a game his kids play and we don't know how old his kids are. I mean, like a Call of Duty game would be cool, but I just don't think that that would garner a lot of attention. Maybe I think it would kind of be laughed at a little bit. I think God of War would be really cool. And I think he would, I think he kind of looks the part for it. I just don't know if like that's what the game is going to be. Other than that, just, there's so many other video games that are so popular that it could really be anything. But in terms of really, really popular games, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I would assume that The Rock wants to do, you know, like a classic video game game move you know we see chris pratt chris pratt is doing you know mario and i wonder if it's going to be something super cliche like that do we know if it's a console game or an app game because if it's an app game it's temple run because you know jungle the rock adventure that kind of stuff that's like his bread and butter oh that would be perfect for him he didn't say what it was but that would work so well we love our patreon supporters and there was a question from our discord and our patreon specifically about dc and the next year and the question was do you think dc's future looks bright 
Do they have a plan? Sure. I think for the Batman, their future looks bright, like with Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves, because from what I've seen so far with this movie, and Drew and I said before, there's so much potential with this to be good and stuff. Honestly, not sure that they have a plan. To compare them to Marvel, Marvel seems that they have a plan. They definitely do have a plan. But DC, to me, it's always felt like they're just kind of like winging it and that there's no like real specific story or point that they're trying to get to. So I honestly have no idea. I think that DC definitely does not have any kind of plan, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think it's been pretty clear like ever since 2018-ish that they're focused on building mini franchises rather than one big franchise. When you think about how Harley kind of anchors like the Suicide Squad franchise and then now that's spinning out into Peacemaker and what other, whatever show like James Gunn is going to do next. Aquaman has its own little corner of the universe, although the Trench spinoff was canceled. You've got like Shazam and Black Adam. You've got Wonder Woman. You've got The Flash. But I, so I think DC's future looks bright on those counts that they have like so many different creators doing so many different projects. And I think that they're all going to be a lot of fun and totally different. And that's cool. But personally, I don't need a universe to be interconnected like the MCU, but I don't like it when they're supposed to take place in the same universe, but then don't ever feel like they do. I liked Shazam. It's not really for me, but something that annoyed me in Shazam was how there were Batman toys on shelves at Christmas and like Freddy had like a bullet that hit Superman. And I'm like, in the Snyder movies, these people are portrayed as like gods that are like untouchable. And like Batman is seen as like a horrible like vigilante that's branding people in the streets. So I don't understand why there's toys of him for children. So that's what I wish DC would kind of like tighten up on because if they aren't supposed to be in the same universe, that's fine. But if they are supposed to be in the same universe, then inconsistencies like that, they don't make or break movies for me, obviously, but they just kind of tick me off. I have a lot to touch on with this, I would say. I think a lot of what the plan going forward for DC hinges on their merger with Discovery. I think Discovery, uh, if I'm not mistaken, does anybody know? I think Discovery is going to have majority of control of Warner Media. I think they're going to be like kind of in charge of that. So I think a lot of that is going to go, is going to be up to them. Um, but overall, I think DC has, uh, so I'm going to stray away a little bit from what Uday and Emily were saying. I think DC does have a plan. I think it's going to be a lot different than what they were doing in the past. I think the Flash is going to lay the ground for what they're going for going forward. I think, you know, we've heard rumors that the Flash is going to kind of reboot some things or soft reboot some things. And I think that they're really trying. This movie, I think, is going to be, which worries me a little bit, is that it's going to be more about fixing the DC universe instead of focusing on the Flash. And it's like, what's the point of even being called the flash you know i think they're trying to fix the universe you know using the flash movie which makes sense because the flash has that that power to do that um but i think beyond the flash they're probably going to lay the groundwork for you know what's going forward with the justice league and what's going forward with all these characters because it seems like they're, they're building a core set of characters i'm assuming they're going to keep the flash you know i'm assuming they're going to keep ezra miller around they're going to keep you know the shazam around wonder woman will probably be around aquaman <clears throat> i don't know I, I mean i would assume cyborg is probably done i don't think ray fisher is going to want to come back to warner brothers so i think overall they're going to have like a core you know we're going to have you know, i would assume michael keaton's going to stay around after the flash is over we have batgirl who's going to be a big character we have supergirl the one mystery is superman you know what's up with henry cavill you know is, is he going to be back and i don't think that he is i would assume that i would assume that them introducing supergirl in the flash I, w- I would assume that supergirl is probably probably going to take over henry cavill's role as as you know the super you know the kryptonian of earth you know 
what the story for Superman is and where he what where he goes or, or what's up with him, you know, remains to be seen. But I think what's going forward is with Ben Affleck, you know, checking out of the DCEU and Michael Ke- Michael Keaton being somewhat older. Um, and not only that, we also have Robert Pattinson, who's in a completely different universe. I think what all signs are pointing towards is Batgirl probably taking over as the main, you know, person in the Batman family who's going to be, you know, maybe part of the Justice League. And I think that's going to be the same thing with Supergirl. I think Supergirl and Batgirl Batgirl will probably take over for Batman and Superman within DC. And I, I would assume that they have a plan to to put together the Justice League eventually. And, you know, maybe their, you know, their end, their end game is, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I think if they can have a cohesive universe, an inter- interconnected and interweaved universe that doesn't feel too much like Marvel, but they do their own thing, I think eventually they can get to a crisis level where they can bring all these characters together. You know, we see they're going to be doing Blue Beetle I think we're going to get a lot more obscure characters that are not really touched on a bunch. And I I think DC has a plan. It remains to be seen if DC is going to be able to execute that plan. All right. My last question. Is there a burning question that you want answered in 2022 from movies or TV fandom? Is there someone you want to know the fate of or a cliffhanger that you're just dying to see the resolution of? Emily, do you want to start? I'm really curious to see where Wanda goes like from Doctor Strange. I think she's going to obviously be around for a lot longer, but I just, I'm so curious as to like what's going to happen and where she's going to go. Yeah, I need to find out what happens to Wanda, not just after Doctor Strange, but even just after WandaVision. I know that there's some many rumors and leaks flying around but I'm kind of tired of that stuff I just want to like disconnect and just like wait and see what happens also I think a really big one is who's going to be the next Black Panther because like we have an inkling of it but there's so much going on with Black Panther 2 that we don't really understand right now that I'm really really interested to see how that all shakes out so for me I have a bunch of questions <laughs> I have so many questions about what's going to happen in the series what's the what's the direction of the Avengers where is that going you know what what's next and we've heard a lot of talk about secret wars i need to do some reading on secret wars because i'm not too up to date on the secret wars story but i'm wondering if they're gonna if we're gonna see the avengers kind of be built back up in that movie i wonder if what's gonna happen is we're gonna go into secret wars without an avengers team and due to the events of secret wars they're gonna you know that avengers team is gonna be you know kind of they're gonna use that movie as a way to build a new avengers team other than that i i'm just really curious <laughs> i really want to know what's going to happen next to spider-man i would assume tom holland's going to come back i'm really curious what's the fate of the, the three spider-man because i think i don't think this is it for andrew garfield and toby mcguire i think sony is so like they're going to want them back as soon as possible. So what I think is going to happen is I, I think Andrew Garfield might become a little bit more involved. I wonder if Tobey Maguire is going to come back at all because now they're kind of, the Marvel Marvel isn't one universe now. It's multiple universes. We're going to have the ability to, to revisit these characters beyond just a cameo. So in terms of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, I'm wondering what's next for them. I, and I, I do think that, you know, Sony is not going to be able to resist using them again. And I wonder, I wonder if we're going to get a movie from start to finish with all three three of them and I think the camaraderie between the three of them is too hard to pass up and I do think that Tommy McGuire and Andrew Garfield had such a good experience on No Way Home that they would be open to returning for the right project I mean Andrew Garfield's already said that he would totally come back for the right projects I'm wondering my you know my big questions are what's up with the Avengers and the Spider-Man what's next for that because I don't think that No Way Home was the end of that that kind of you know team up and i i think what's what might happen is we know we see tom holland on his own story 
And then we see kind of a Spider-Verse story that takes place with all three of them and and have those things be completely separate entities. I would really like that if we got a a new trilogy of Tom Holland Spider-Man movies and then completely on the side, we get our own kind of Spider-Verse live action story. I mean, we've already gotten one with No Way Home, but I think now they're probably going to do, I I feel like they're going to do another kind of Spider-Verse movie, live action movie eventually. And I have three things that are all Marvel related that I want to, like, I want an answer to. So my first one is that I want to know who bought Avengers Tower. It was 2019, I think, that it was sold, right? 2020, I forget. And we still don't know. 2017. Oh no, are you serious? That was yeah, moving day? Yeah, we've been day? wondering since the first Spider-Man. Oh no. Yeah, well, I think it was like, yeah, like right, probably right after Civil War or something. Like probably like 20, yeah, 2017. Is, yeah. I think that's, that's so that's, depressing. That yeah. Well, I want to know, and I hope we get an answer soon. You know, some of the stuff I've seen about Multiverse of Madness, maybe we'll get an answer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Building off of that, I want to see, I want to know the fate of Oscorp because in the last Spider-Man movie, we were told that Oscorp doesn't exist. And that's a huge part of the other Spider-Man movies and the whole lore of Spider-Man. And I just want to see, is there a Norman Osborn counterpart in the MCU? What does he do? Why hasn't he, you know, tried to take over the world yet? Because it seems like there's a counterpart for everyone and in this multiverses. And my my last thing is about Eleanor Bishop. You know, at the end of Hawkeye, we saw her arrested. And I want to see how she gets out of it because I assume she's going to get out of it. I want to see how that plays out. And I want to see the relationship between her and Kate evolve and change. And I want to see what lawyer she uses because there are a lot of cool lawyers now in the MCU. I don't know if it's going to be Daredevil, She-Hulk. I think that'll be really fun to explore and I hope we get that this year. I okay, so I feel like I doubt Matt Murdock would be Eleanor's lawyer just because of how much he hates Kingpin. But at the same time, I also think maybe he could because Eleanor was kind of trapped with Kingpin. Like he she kind of was doing this work against her will because of her husband. And I wonder if they're gonna tie Daredevil into that. It's just I don't really see how I feel like the vibe of Daredevil and the vibe of Kate Bishop might not mesh very well. And that was my worry with Kingpin being involved with Hawkeye. And it, it, it wasn't that bad. I, I, I mean, I love seeing Kingpin. I'm just curious if that vibe would mesh. And, I, and to add to that, I thought originally that Kingpin would have bought Avengers Tower, but now we found out that that isn't true. I also thought it would have been Oscorp. But now we found out that isn't true. And not only that, in an interview during the press junket for No Way Home, Tom Holland says that he knows who bought the Avengers Tower. So it makes me wonder if there's already something like filmed for that. Maybe Doctor Strange could introduce that or something. I, I just don't know. I, I wonder if it's just going to pop up in somewhere that we just don't expect. And I wonder if it could be something just super out there that we didn't expect. I mean, a lot of people have said the Baxter building I mean, they've known, they've shown no signs of that yet. It's just, I, I wonder like what the plan is for that. So I'm, yeah, I'm with Isla on that. I, I'm really curious about that. I think the, the Eleanor Bishop and Daredevil stuff is really interesting because she, you know, at the end of Hawkeye, she said that she had, she kept insurance, right? She kept files on everything horrible that Kingpin had done. And I wonder if that would be something that's of interest and useful to Daredevil. You know, I don't know. That's all we have for today. Thank you for joining us here at the Cosmic Circle and for listening at home. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon and on our website, thecosmiccircus.com. Let's go around one more time. I'm Isla Ruby. My social media is Tulin Writes on Twitter. And I am slowly rewatching Picard so I can write some more about season two. 
Uday? I'm Uday. I'm at Golden Ninja 3000 on all social media. And I've just been working on school and YouTube and this site and my other job. So yeah, I'm pretty busy. I'm Emily. My Twitter is EmilyMCD11. And right now I'm working on getting some TikToks ready for our new TikTok account, My Cosmic Circus on TikTok. So go follow us there. And actually, I've started watching Daredevil, too, so I'm really enjoying it. I'm Drew. I'm currently not on Twitter, but I, I'm, I'm working on some articles right now. I'm working on some stuff about Boba Fett. I'm working on hopefully an interesting article about Doctor Strange. And I'm going to continue to work on probably the Star Wars and Marvel stuff all year. So that's what I've been working on so far. Thank you for listening and see you next time on thecosmiccircus.com.